right, what's up, Victory? Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, goodness. Hey, let's welcome Hamilton Mill. <laughs> What's up, Hamilton Mill family? What's up, Midtown family? What's up, online family? Everybody joining us from all over the place. Wow, a big deal. Hey, if you have no clue what's happening, hey, as things are changing in the world around us, cha changes are also happening here as well. And this weekend is officially Mine and Summer's first weekend as the senior pastors here at Victory. And if you're just joining us, uh, last weekend, uh, Pastor Dennis and Colleen officially handed the torch, literally the torch, off to uh, Summer and I. And they're actually watching this weekend. So can we just, one more time, can we honor our founding pastors here at Victory as well? We love you guys. Love you, Pastor Dennis, Pastor Colleen. We love you all very much. Wow. Woo! It is, it's still a little surreal. I haven't slept much this week, um, if I'm just being honest. I'm kind of like a, a kid on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Um, by the way, do you like these kicks? You see these kicks? I see this, like, pachow! Isn't that awesome? Y'all see this? Come on, get the other shoe. Can you get the other shoe? Ha, ha! Isn't that awesome? We got some talented people around here. Um, no, but it's still, it's, it's surreal. You know, Summer and I have been here for 21 years. We um, just started attending. We were serving in the two-year-old ministry. We were uh, attending Fusion, the young adult ministry here. And then we started leading a small group in probably 2002 and started pastoring Fusion in 2005, launched Hamilton Mill in 2010, and here we are in 2020. And what an amazing, crazy God ride, you know, this whole thing has been. And I know you're on your own wild, crazy God ride right now. You might not be able to see it all, but I promise you there will be a point of 2020 hindsight. Come on, maybe even this year has given us a little bit of 2020 vision to be able to see things a little bit more clearly as God's hand is on our life. And I, I couldn't, I just tell you, every single one of us this, like I couldn't possibly be more excited for the future than I am right now. I know that there are things that are changing all around us, but we have a God who doesn't change, right? Like that God still keeps his promises. God is still ruling and reigning. The tomb is still empty. That Jesus is still alive. We still have a God who saves, a God who heals, a God who redeems, a God who restores. Come on. God, God who can change everything about our lives in a moment. So you better believe that I'm excited about the future. And God has actually given me a vision, if I can say that, uh, a, a, a God dream, a God idea of where we're going as a church. I've been holding on to this for nine and a half years now. I did the math earlier. For nine and a half years ago, God showed me a picture of where this church is going. And I can't tell you yet, <laughs> Sorry, he actually gave me a word a few weeks ago just to encourage me in it again. But there will come a time when I stand on this platform and I just say, victory, this is where we're going. This is who God has called us to be. Um, but, but in the meantime, God is still taking us to a place because I tell you, but, but I will say this, where God is taking us isn't to the greatest victory that we've ever seen. I believe that for the capital C church, for capital V victory, but as well as for each one of us and our families, where God is taking us is into the, one of the greatest, most exciting 
seasons of life, of life and life to the fullest, where we're seeing the lost found, where we're seeing the lukewarm set on fire, where we're seeing families build and communities transformed and cultures reconciled and nations impacted. It's gonna be amazing, okay? It's gonna be so good. I'm, I'm, that's not just hype. I see a picture of it. I wanna share it with everything, but I can't yet. But to get there, we're gonna have to get ready for it. Okay, no team wakes up the morning of the Super Bowl and is like, hey, I should probably start working out for the first time this year. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you gotta get ready. When the opportunity presents itself, you better be ready. And so today is our day to start training for the championship. Come on, everybody say championship. <laughs> All right, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi is probably one of the greatest football coaches. Many of us have heard of Coach Lombardi. Uh, Vince Lombardi, he coached the Packers for a long time. He ended the 1960 season in absolute humiliation. It wasn't like Falcons, Patriots, Super Bowl, but... <laughs> that one's still a raw nerve. But uh, they, they, they bombed in the championship to the Eagles, 1960. And so in 1961, that team, that Packers team, they return to training camp and they're ready. They're chomping at the bit. They want the new playbook. They want the new plays. They want the new techniques. Woo, look at Darius. Nice. And these guys were the best of the best of the best. And what, what Lombardi does that first day of training camp, maybe you've heard this story, to the best of the best of the best, these guys who are coming back, they're ready for another championship. They're ready, they're, they're just ready to go. What he does, first day of training camp, he sits them all down, first day, holds out a pigskin and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. And they looked at him just like you're looking at me. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> we're professional football players. Of course, this is a football. But he took the whole thing and he scaled it all the way back to say, gentlemen, this is where we begin. This is a football. He said, and then they're like, no, 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 no. We want to jump to page 50 of the playbook. We almost won last year, Lombardi. He says, no, we're going to start on page one, table of contents. And he taught him how to block again. And he taught him how to tackle again. In fact, when they were going through the playbook, on the, on the, uh, like a few days in, they're still on like page three of the, of the playbook. Gentlemen, this is a football. Uh, they're Pro Bowl wide receiver. He actually says, hey, coach, could you like slow down a little bit? You're like, you're going too fast. And the story is Lombardi cracked a smile, but he continued on with the basics. And here's what happened. His team actually became the best at what everybody else took for granted. And so that year in the playoffs, they actually beat the Giants. The Packers beat the Giants 37 to zero. And that was the last year, 1960, was the last year that Vince Lombardi ever lost a playoff game in his entire career ever. Why? Because he sat his team down and he said, gentlemen, this is a football. This is a football. He started with the basics and they were able to do what everybody else took for granted. There it is, there it is. And if you look at Jesus, this is what he does. He sits his disciples down. In fact, when he's going recruiting, you know, his, his dream team, he starts with the basics, right? He doesn't have, they don't have to have it all together yet. He starts with the basics. In fact, he actually starts with his version of gentlemen, this is a football. 
He starts at the very beginning. It wasn't easy, but he started at a place of simplicity. It wasn't easy, but it was simple. And he started here. Here it is in Luke 5, all right? Luke 5, maybe you've heard this story before. One day, one day, everybody say one day. I love it. Just one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, this is the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. In other words, these guys, this is midday. These guys have been out all night. They've been fishing, they're done, and they're washing their nets there on the shore. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to push out a little from shore. And then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon, put out into deep water. Everybody say deep water. Deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, you know, some of these early disciples right here in the same moment. They were Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on the shore, left everything and followed him. Oh, to follow Jesus. See, when rabbis came on the scene at that time, the rabbis, teachers, the religious leaders, they all went to Jerusalem because that's where all the action was, right? That's where all the wannabe disciples were. That's where all the disciples and training were. And all the disciples, they had trained to be disciples their entire lives, right? Like these disciples, get this, this is crazy, but they had actually gone through the level of schooling to be able to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they had memorized them, Okay, they had memorized the first five books of the Bible, the best of the best of the best of the best of the best. These guys were the ones that everybody wanted to follow them. This was the dream team. They're all in Jerusalem. And here's what a, a wannabe disciple did. They would kind of tour the circuit of all the really popular rabbis. And when they found the one that they wanted to follow, the, the wannabe disciple would go to the rabbi and say, Rabbi, can I follow you? Can I follow you? And if the rabbi nodded his head, then what they would do is they would leave their family. They would leave what they had and they would go and follow that rabbi. They would go and follow him. They would go follow in his footsteps. Their a disciple's greatest dream was just to, to look like his rabbi and to talk like his rabbi, to think like his rabbi. The relationship, think about it like this, was more of like an apprenticeship than a classroom. More was caught than taught, if you know what I'm talking about. It wasn't like sitting down and just taking notes. It was, I literally wanna go everywhere that you go. In fact, a really popular blessing of the time was this, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. I love that. I love that blessing. I still say that over people today. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Wherever he goes, may you go. May you go his way. May you go his way. May you think like he thinks. May you talk like he talks. May you act like he acts. May you believe like he believes. May your character be his character. May his love for God be your love for God. May you go his way. May you go his way. But here's the thing, if you're, if you're really paying attention, Jesus isn't in Jerusalem. 
He's in Capernaum. Why in the world is Jesus in Capernaum? Capernaum is a fishing village on the side of the, side of the Sea of Galilee. Like why? There's no buzz in the air. There's stink in the air. Come on, you ever been around like a fishing town? You ever been on fishing boat? This isn't where everybody wants to hang out. And this is where Jesus is. There, there's, there's, there's no buzz in the air. There's stink in there. I mean, these, these, this just, there's no religious elite there's just stinky fishermen washing stinky fish nets. And these, these guys couldn't make the cut in Jerusalem. So they're, they're the blue collar workers in Capernaum. But this is where Jesus goes. And this is crazy to me. In fact, last night I was praying. I said, Jesus, why did you go to Capernaum? Why didn't you go to Jerusalem? And I believe God said this. He said, because I wanted everybody to know that this is for everybody. It's not just for the elite. It's not for the trained. It's not for the educated. It's not just for the rich. It's not just for the ones who have all their lives together. In fact, get this about the story. The disciples don't ask to follow Jesus. They already knew that they were disqualified. They knew I can't ask this guy to be his follower. Jesus asked them to be his disciples. Jesus takes the whole system and flips it up on its head because he says, I know we all disqualify ourselves. Jesus, I could never be your disciple. I don't have it all together. I don't have the playbook memorized. I couldn't do all that. And so Jesus actually pursues us. How amazing is that? And when Jesus is choosing his disciples, he makes it so simple. It's not easy. Oh, God, it's not easy. But he makes it so simple. Again, they don't have to have the playbook memorized. They don't have to have their whole life together. They don't have to have the Bible memorized. They don't, you know, come on. They don't have to have it all together. He starts at this place of simplicity. In fact, this was the prerequisite, if we can say it like that. The prerequisite for becoming a disciple of Jesus was when he said, come follow me. He just walked his way. This is Christianity's gentlemen. This is a football. It's not easy. Oh God, it is not easy, but it is simple. If you want to take it all the way back, what does it look like to be a disciple? Is that I go his way. Where he walks, I walk. What he says, I say. What he does, I do. But he calls me to say and do, that's what I say, and that's what I do. And it's here on the shore of, of the Sea of Galilee, on Capernaum, on this shore, that Jesus then gets in Peter's boat, and he presses out into the shallows. And then he turns to Peter, and he has Peter press out into deep water. And I was kind of thinking about this and, and thinking on this for us, and I was saying, God, what do you have to say for us? And I believe that this is what God said for today. He said, church, there are actually three places, and you find them right here in Luke 5. They're actually, these are the three places that people live at with God. Every single one of us in this room, every single person in the world is at one of these three locations with God. And the first one is this. Jesus finds these people on the shore, all right? He finds this, this group of people who are listening to what he has to say, who are kind of observing, who are passively kind of taking a handful of notes on the shore of the Sea of Galilee that day. And this is where most of the world lives is on the shore, right? 
This is where most of the world lives. It's this kind of passive observation of who Jesus is, right? He, he's, he's a nice religious leader. He's somebody that we should respect. He's somebody that we should listen to maybe, um, you know, but he's kind of like on the level of like the Dalai Lama or Muhammad, you know, he's a good man. He's a, maybe a prophet even, we could say that about him, but it, I mean, he can't really say anything about my life. Like, like I'll listen to what he, like he's over there. I'll listen to what he has to say. And like, if anything really resonates, right? Like I might consider doing that, but all the hard stuff, I don't have to do that stuff because who does this guy think he is? Come on, like who, who does this guy think he is? And here's the deal about the shore. You know this, if you ever been to the beach, you ever look, you ever, today, right? You're, you're standing on solid ground. The shore is safe. Think about that. The shore is the safest place in the world to stand and to watch. To stand and to watch. The shore has sure footing. The shore doesn't cost you anything. On the shore, you're in control, right? You can choose to listen or you choose to not. You can go, you can stay. The shore is the safest place in the world to stand at a distance and to watch Jesus, to listen what he says, and then to pick and choose what we're gonna do. And this is where most of the world lives. In fact, this is actually where we find Simon Peter on this first day when he meets Jesus again. You know, this is, this is where we find Simon Peter again. And what happens is we actually find them washing their nets on the shore. And they're not just washing their nets, they're angry washing their nets, right? Because in the story, we find out that they've been fishing all night and they didn't catch anything. I don't know if you ever worked like a whole day and didn't make any money. Come on, somebody, you made eight hours of phone calls, didn't make one sale and you're punishing your phone. Like that's what these guys are doing. They've been working so hard, but it wasn't working. Come on, how many of you are working, but it's not working? And so that's where Jesus finds these guys on the shore. But then he gets with Peter, right? And he says, Peter, hey, press out a little bit more into the shallows. And this is the second place where we find people with God is in the shallows. He gets in Peter's boat. Peter just pushes off just a little bit from the shore so Jesus can teach. And Peter's there in the boat with the shallows. Peter's there in the boat with Jesus in the shallows. But here's the thing about the shallows, right? Like it's still pretty safe in the shallows. Why? Because your feet are still on the ground, right? You can still probably see your feet. You're like in waist deep water. So it's a little messy being in the shallows. But the, the crazy thing about the shallows is you're still in control, right? You ever been like, in, how many of you, you, okay, don't raise your hand, but you can't swim, but I'll get in right here, right here, right? That's as deep as I'm going because I'm still in control. Like I, if it gets a little scary, a little wave comes in, it gets up to here. Like I can run back into the shore, right? Why? Because I'm still in control. And here's the, here's the thing about the shallows. The shallows are supposed to be a transitionary place. Everybody say transitionary place. The shallows are supposed to be a transitionary place between the shore and the deep water. But this is where most of the church has stopped, is in the shallows. Most, most Christians have stalled in the shallows because we followed Jesus until it got uncomfortable. And then Jesus kept going, but we stayed right here, right? We stayed right here where my thoughts are still my thoughts. And my ways are still my ways. And I'll follow as long as it's not too uncomfortable. But when a little wave comes up, 
right? I'll go back where it's safe again. And I've never really trusted God enough to get out of the shallows. And here's the idea, guys. This is what we catch up from Luke 5. It was here in the shallows that Peter had spent his whole life. And he was frustrated because it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And so what Jesus says to Peter is this. Hey, Peter, press out a little deeper. Come out into the deep waters, which is the third place where we can live with God. Peter, come out into the deep water. In fact, Peter, here's what I want you to do. I know you've been fishing all night, but I want you to cast your nets out again. And you just have to know what Peter's thinking, right? Like this is where Peter's like, all right, Jesus. Okay, you had me until like throw the, Jesus, you're showing you're a carpenter. I'm sorry, I don't wanna offend you. I'm the fisherman, you're the preacher. Like stick in your wheelhouse, dude. Like, like, like I've been doing this my whole life. Like you were preaching really good until you started giving fishing advice. Two different things. Come on, somebody, like, you can be really good at one thing, but you don't have to be good at everything, Jesus. That's what you're thinking, right? And Peter's like, Jesus, stick to the preaching. I'll stick to the fishing. <sighs> okay. But because you say so, I'll throw my nets out. But Jesus, this isn't the way it works. Jesus, this isn't the way it works. Because, because here's the deal. Jesus, it's getting warm. And so when it's hot outside, we're in, we're in Israel, we're in the Middle East, so when it's hot outside, the fish go deep, go out, and then they go deep down into the ground. And so our nets can't go deep enough into the water to be able to get the fish. Like you can use the nets in the shallows. That's what we were doing last night. I know we didn't catch anything. Don't bring it up. It's still a sore subject. We didn't catch anything, but that's how you're supposed to do. All right, but because you say so. Because you say so, I'll do it. So Peter pushes it out into the deep water and he drops his nets reluctantly. And all of a sudden, the ship lurches sideways and he hears, here's the fish out of water. And he looks over and he's like, what? And it's all of a sudden, I mean, the, the fish are so, the nets are starting to break. So he's like, James, Sean. These guys were like, they owned, they owned the, they were the captains of like the boats in the yellow area. And so James and John bring their, their boat over. And so they, then they grab the net, they're trying to pull it out and the net's breaking. In fact, when they actually start to get the fish into the boats, both boats start sinking. And I was thinking about this, like I, I can imagine a catch so big that the nets are breaking, but I can't imagine a catch so big that the ships are sinking. Like, I, I just can't even imagine that. And Peter's been a fisherman on these waters his entire life. Right? And so he knows this isn't about skill. This is a God thing. Like we're on holy ground right now in this moment. And so what he does, he drops to his knees and he says, Jesus, you've got to get away from me. Jesus, you've got, I'm a sinful man. Like this is a God moment. Like I'm a fisherman. I, I saw so I cuss. Come on, <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I'm a bad guy. Like I, I do bad things. I'm a church dropout. I don't think that God loves me. And Jesus looks at him and in essence, he says this. He says, you don't think I know that? You don't think I know that about you? I choose you anyways, come, follow me, follow me. 
So they leave their ships and they leave everything behind and they go follow Jesus to go his way. Because the deep water life changes everything. The deep water life changes everything. Listen, the shore is so safe and it's so boring. The shallows are so frustrating and they're so powerless. But the deep water, that's where life and life to the fullest is found. That's where the miracles occur, is in this place of trusting God enough to leave the place where your feet are on the ground and to press out into this deeper water. The deep water, this is the thing about deep water, it's scary. Come on, especially if you can't swim, it's scary. It's the place where you have to trust God. It's the place where you have to do things sometimes that don't make sense. It's the place sometimes, deep water is the place where you have to say, no, Jesus, this isn't how it works. Like I need to stick to preaching, Jesus. Like I know how to do this. Deep water is the place where Jesus looks at you and says, hey, you're doing it your way, but it's not working. And so you have to say, but because you say so. I'll do it. Deep water is the place where real life is found. And Jesus, get this, Jesus told Peter that day, Peter, you've been fishing all night and you didn't catch anything. In other words, Peter, what you're doing, it's not working. It's not working. I know you have it all together. I know you've been doing this your whole life, but it's not working anymore. Maybe even if it was working at some point, it's not working today. It's not working any longer. And what I'm doing is I'm calling you to do it a different way. I'm calling you to do it my way. And when you do it my way, when you trust me enough to come out into the deep waters, when you trust me enough to do things that don't make sense, that's where the real catch happens. That's where the real miracle occurs. That's where life really comes alive. And this is what Jesus tells us. This is, this is what Jesus tells us today. I love this so much. He says this, Jesus calls his disciples to abandon the shore, to press past the shallows and to come out where it's deeper and to come out where it's deeper. And I hear God calling to us today saying this, I get it. You're frustrated. You're frustrated. You've been trying and it's not working. You've been going to church, but nothing's changing. Your family's not changing. Your addiction's not breaking. Your, your soul still hurts. You still have shame. You still have guilt. You're still bored with life. I get it. You're trying. It's not working. You're trying and it's not working, but that's because you're still doing it your way. And I know, I know you wanna give up. I know you're surrounded by church dropouts, but that's because they lived their whole lives in the shallows and they never trusted me enough to come out into deep water where real life was. And today I'm asking you to stop doing it your way and to start doing it my way. Because when, as, long as, you read, as long as you read the Bible and you don't do what it says because it might cost you something or you, read a, or you hear a sermon and you don't do what it says because it hurts or you, God calls you to give to the poor, but you don't give it because you wanna get something else. He says, you're perpetually living in the shallows where your feet are on the ground. And the problem with the shallows is this, you're not all dry and you're not all wet. So you're just miserable. You're not all in and you're not all out. Come on, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're, 
you're lukewarm. And we're trying to straddle this place between God and the world and it's not working. It's not working. And so today Jesus says, hey guys, either grab a towel and dry off or come out where it's deeper. Come out where it's deeper. Do it a different way. Do it a different way. Do it a different way. Because what you're doing isn't working. I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but how many of you are frustrated today? How many of you are ready to give up on church today? How many of you are ready to give up on God today? Like all the friends in the world around you, like they're dropping uh, you know, under God from the Pledge of Allegiance. Like we live in that world right now. We have to decide who are we gonna serve? Are we gonna be on the shore? Or are we gonna be in the deep? Because the shallows are only meant to be a transitionary place between the two. But too many of us have set up shop in the shallows and God's calling us to stop stalling and to start moving. And to those who are frustrated today, God says it's time to come deeper. It's time to come deeper because Jesus calls his disciples into the deep water. And you will never forget your deep water decisions. Come on, some of y'all, they're already in your mind right now. Your deep, what are my deep water moments with God? I remember um, I was a sophomore in high school and whatever year that was. And I had just, uh, I gotten saved the summer before. And I remember the first time I ever shared my faith in, in, a, in a form, you know? I was in typing class back when we used to do that, right? What is this keyboard you'd speak of, you know? And sorry, I just offset the shoes with all that. I don't even know how to reconcile that. My kids are so embarrassed by me right now. But they said these shoes are fi. So I'm like, <laughs> certified by a teenager. Um, and there was, this, there was this guy in typing class and he was like dog in church. And I said, man, I know, I know church might be boring, but let me tell you who God really is, what this thing's supposed to really be about. I remember... Um, the, the first time I actually took a risk in a church service, <laughs> uh, it was 97, and I went to the front, and that's when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was scary, but it was God, so I said yes. I remember the first time I was asked to preach. Uh, it was 2003, and Nathan Camp, who was the pastor of Fusion at that time, asked me to preach in a nursing home outreach. <laughs> And I wanted to run and I wanted to hide because actually, you know, a, a while later, God, God sh showed me this. Um, I had been trying, trying to hide my entire life. I'd been trying to stay underneath the radar my entire life. That was, I don't know if it was my personality or something wounded me early on or whatever it was, but I remember this. God brought this to my mind. When I was in um, middle school, uh, I got nominated for uh, like... The, the class president or whatever, whatever it was. And I went around to every single person. I said, don't vote for me. Don't vote for me. Don't vote. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want Why did I say that? Because I didn't possibly want to not get elected. I couldn't, I couldn't put up with the rejection. So I rejected myself before others could reject me. Again, don't raise your hand, but how many of us, we stay away from relationships because what if it doesn't work out? We don't put ourselves in positions of risk because what if I get rejected? And so I had lived a life of rejecting myself before others could reject me, and so I just stayed off the radar. And so when he asked me, hey, will you preach at this outreach? I wanted to hide in a cave. But I heard the call 
I saw the door of opportunity and it was scary as all get out. But because it was God, I said yes. And it was probably terrible. It was probably terrible. Like the worst sermon ever. I preached healing to a room full of old sick people in a nursing home. This is my first sermon ever I preached healing. It's a good old Presbyterian boy. It was scary, but I said yes. And here we are 17 years later. And I remember taking the first, that step of faith to become the fusion pastor, but it was scary. But because it was God, I said yes. And I remember in 2010, hearing the call to leave fusion, the safety of that, that place, and to go out into the deep waters and to start Hamilton Mill. And it was scary, but God was in it, so I said yes. And I remember two years ago when Pastor Dennis and Colleen talked to Summer and I about becoming the senior pastors, man, it was scary, but because it was God, we said yes. And I just wanna tell you this, following Jesus, going his way into deep water is not a one-time decision. It is day by day, decision by decision, stroke by stroke, by stroke, by painful stroke, by joyous stroke, by, oh God, I don't wanna do this stroke. Like, and everything under the sun is step by step by step by step. But here's the deal, you string enough of those decisions together and you turn around and you can't even see the shore anymore. And you're in this crazy, wild, God-filled, nets are breaking, ships are sinking, life with God. Because you said, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it because you say so. And today, I personally, I don't know about you, but I feel like the disciples. I feel like the disciples, when Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And it's here, here's what they said, John 6. He says, so Jesus said to his 12, and you, do you, do you also wanna leave? And Peter spoke up. Remember, same Simon Peter, who was in the boat in Luke 5. He says, but Lord, where would we go? Where would we go? Like, who else are we gonna go to? No one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. We're fully convinced that you are the anointed one, the son of the living God, and we believe in you. And guys, I don't know about you, but I've been swimming in the deep end for too long to go back. I've seen too much to go back. I've been a part of too much to go back. I've experienced too much to go back. I've seen too many people healed for anybody to ever convince me of otherwise. I've seen too many people saved to hear anybody else try and convince me otherwise. I've seen too many addicts get free for anybody else to convince me otherwise. I've seen too many marriages on the rocks for anybody convince me that they can't be put back together. I've seen too much, I've experienced too much. I've seen the grace, the mercy, the peace, the love, the kindness, the hope, the faith of what it looks like to be with God. And I can't go back. And this is the place of life that God is calling us to. We can't go back to the shore. Where would we go? Come on family, come on Hamilton Mill, come on Midtown, where are we gonna go? We gonna go back to money? You can go back to porn. You can go back to sex. Where are you going to go? Who else has the answers? You going to go to New Age? You going to go to crystals? You you're going to talk to the universe? Who's your God? Is your boss your, your God? 
Is your singleness your God? Is your pain your God? Is the fact that you're abused your God? Where are we gonna go? Who else do we have? It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. Where else are we gonna go? And when Jesus says, come follow me, you really only have two options. <laughs> you either go his way or you go your way. And do I always get it right? No. Do you always get it right? No. This deep water life is like a perpetual trust fall into the arms of a trustworthy God. And sometimes we jerk back up. I want to do it, God. But God's calling us. I know it's intimidating. I know sometimes it's scary. I know sometimes it doesn't make sense. But this is the life that God's calling us into. The shore is boring. Come on. The shallows are lifeless and powerless. But the deep waters, that's where the miracles occur. That's where life and life to the fullest is found. And that's where God is calling us today. What determines everything about your life. I can't emphasize that enough. What determines everything about your life is whether or not you're willing to leave the shore, to transition through the shallows, and to come out into deep water. Will you trust him with your decisions? Will you trust him with your family? Will you trust him with your sexuality? Will you trust him with your schedule? Will you trust him with your good days? Will you trust him with your bad days? Will you trust him with your past, your present, your future? And will you say, I'm just gonna follow Jesus? The way out of my boredom with church, the way out of my boredom with the Bible, the way out of my, my boredom with life, the way that my heart comes alive is when I trust God enough to get my feet off the shore and to press into the shallows to the point where you're on your tippy toes. And then you just have to start learning to allow God to carry you out in the deep waters. And this is the heart decision of every single disciple. This is it. This is the heart decision of every disciple that I'm familiar with my way, but I'm now committed to following his way. Every single one of us knows our way. Every single one of us knows our schedule. We know our sin patterns. We know our good days, our bad days. We know what sets us off. We know what triggers us. We know what calms us down. We know what thing we try to run to for our substitutionary God. We know that. I know my way. But as a disciple of Jesus, I'm now committed to following his way. It's not easy, but it is simple. This is Christianity's, gentlemen. This is a football. I know my way, but am I gonna go his way? This is square one. This is the first page of the playbook. When he says to do life different, do I say yes? In fact, we know a, a friend of ours right now, this is happening in her life. And um, uh, a while back, God said, will you say yes? And she said, well, what am I saying yes to? And God was like, ah, ah, ah. will you say yes? okay, whatever it is, God, I say yes. And we're literally watching with our eyes right now her life being transformed. You see, she presses out into deeper waters with God. And so victory today, Jesus is not in Jerusalem waiting for us to come to him. Come on, somebody. 
He's not waiting for us to go say, can I follow you? Jesus is walking the streets of Atlanta. He's walking the streets of Buford. He's walking the streets of Norcross, walking, walking the streets of Athens or Paris or wherever you find yourself today. And he's looking for ordinary people who didn't make the cut. He's not looking for the religious elite who have it all together and have the whole thing memorized and yeah, I'm already perfect, so I don't need God. He's looking for people like you and he's looking for people like me. And he says, will you follow me? I know you have your way, but will you follow my way? And if you will follow my way, I promise you, I'll lead you to green pastures. I'll lead you to still waters. I'm gonna lead you out into the deep water of life where life is exciting again and passion wells up in your soul again. And Victor, I believe this with the, to the core of my being is that God is leading us to the championship. <laughs> I believe that, I believe that, I believe that, okay? I can see it, I can smell it, I can taste it. But the way there is not this new revelation. The way there is not like, oh, I'm gonna watch this TV show and listen to this podcast and this guy's gonna say something that he saw in the sky in a dream and three angels came with four eyes and the eagle head. Like that's, that's not the way that you're gonna win the championship. The way that God is taking you to victory. Gentlemen, this is a football. Come, follow me. Follow me every single step of the way and I'll take you all the way home. I'll take you all the way home. In fact, I wanna, I wanna give you a challenge today across, across all of our campuses, wherever you are, that as you say yes to follow, I wanna challenge you with this. I wanna challenge you either if it's on social media or one-to-one with a group, whatever that is. I wanna challenge you to share your story of going deeper because this world is full of a bunch of church burnouts. It's full of a bunch of people who tried Jesus, who went to church when they were young. Come on. They need to hear the story from somebody who's done it, of what it's actually like when you trust God. Maybe some of you have just moved from the shore and recently you've moved into the shallows. Share your story. Share your story. Say, I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm not by, praise God, I'm not who I used to be. I started following Jesus and everything's changing but I promise I'm not gonna stay in that place. I'm gonna trust him out into the deeper waters or maybe you're actually in the deep waters today. And you can say to somebody, you can share it on social media, whatever that is. You can say, when I actually trusted God with this, that's when things actually started changing. Because this world needs to hear that God is real, God is alive, the tomb is empty. He's still leading and guiding his people. And this isn't just on somebody on a platform with a microphone, this is on every single one of us to reach out into our sphere of influence and say, when I trusted God to say yes and go deeper, fill in the blank, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Let's share that. Let's be people who actually share what it's like to swim deep with God. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we love you. Thank you, God, that, that your goal for our life isn't just to save us <laughs> and then sit us down in a church building one day a week for the rest of our lives. And I was thinking about this um, this last week. I, I remembered it in the story, right? When, when in Luke 5, when, when Jesus speaks to Peter, that's actually not the first time 
that Simon Peter meets Jesus. He met him a few chapters before. And uh, it's there that when Simon Peter meets Jesus, Jesus changes his name. His name was Simon. He says, from now on, you're going to be called Cephas, which means Peter, rock. And since then, here's what happened. Peter had met Jesus on the shore. And since then, he had just kind of been keeping his eye on Jesus. He had been watching, he had been observing, he had been following from a distance. But life still wasn't working and he was just getting frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. And so we finally came to that moment when Jesus said, hey, come, follow me into the shallows. So Peter went out with Jesus and Jesus went out with Peter. And then from the shallows, Jesus called Peter deeper and deep, and Peter had a decision to make. Am I gonna go deeper? Am I gonna do it his way? Am I gonna do it my way? But when Peter did it God's way, his life changed. The world changed and the world has never been the same since that decision that Peter made. And so I just want us today to just pause. I know we're living in a world where there's a lot of noise, man. A lot of political noise. A lot of, uh, a lot of coronavirus noise. A lot of news noise. A lot of kid noise. A lot of school noise. And I just want to pause and say that Jesus is calling. He's saying, come, follow me. You don't have to have it all together. Listen, I even believe this today. Somebody, somebody here, hey, Victor, you've been the abuser. Not the abused, you've been the abuser. And so you think that God doesn't love you anymore. Jesus today says, you don't think I know that? You don't think I saw that? You don't think that that, that thing broke my heart that you did? But I call you anyways. I can redeem that too. I can still save you. Trust me. Trust me, come follow me. Family, what is God calling you to do today? What is, what's God calling you into? What's he calling you to give up? What is he calling you to start? Some of you are like, I don't even know. What's the last thing that he told you to do that you didn't do? What's the, the way that I can say yes today? God, you have my yes. I'm gonna leave the shore, step into the shallows. Others of us say, I'm gonna leave the shallows and step into the deep water to actually follow Jesus into the life that he says that I can live. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. For everybody here in Norcross, in Hamilton Mill in Midtown, um, maybe you've been watching on your phone or whatever it is. If you're in a place where you can, if you can say this, if you can say, Jesus, I'm gonna go your way, I'll follow you. If you can say that, I want you to stand up to your feet. Wherever that is, if maybe you're saying, I'm on, I've, been on the sh I've been on the shore, 
I've just kind of been watching Jesus from a distance. So today I'm actually gonna step into the shallows. Today I'm gonna say, Jesus, I'm gonna start this life of following you. Others of us, maybe you're in the shallows and you've just been there for too long. You're saying, Jesus, it was meant to be a transitionary place, but I've been there for 12 years. I said yes in 2008 and I'm still there. I just kind of go to church on Sunday and I just try and be a good person. I've never really taken the next step to leave that place of safety and follow you out into deeper waters. If you can say, I'm following you today, say, let's rise to our feet and let's pray this. Say, Jesus, you are the son of God who died for my sin and you rose again. You are Lord, you are savior. And today I trust you. Come on, say it again. I trust you. Today I leave the shore the place of safety, the place where I'm in control. And I press into the shallows <laughs> where life begins with you. I forsake my sin. I turn from my way and I trust you. Forgive me, cleanse me, make me a new person. I am born again in Jesus' name. And God, I commit that these shallows will be a transitionary place to press out into deep water. I trust you with my next breath. When you say to go left, I'll go left. You say to go right, I'll go right. What you tell me to do, I'll do. What you tell me to say, I'll say. Where you tell me to go, I'll go. I'll be who you call me to be. With every fiber of my being, you have the rest of my days. Lead me and I will follow. You are the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by you. I trust you. You have my heart. You have my yes. <laughs> In Jesus' name. Amen.